Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hello and welcome to Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast, the premier and flagship podcast of the world online. I'm your host, Brandon Jones, and this week we got Three's Company. We got Danny K. Bartlett and Nick Dahl in the house. Gents, how y'all doing? Good Good. evening, song. Very good, very good. (laughs) How are you? Fantastic. I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm glad Jammer's not here. He uh, escaped because he knew I was going to talk shit about Batman v Superman, but that's for later (laughs) in the show. Up first, we got a couple of trailers that dropped this week. Um, the first one is Shanghai, so Chicago stand up. Is that how? See, that joke would have worked better because if Jammer was here, god damn it, now now I need him here because he would have corrected my pronunciation. So it's Shee, actually Shanghai, as oh, I understand Shee? it. I wouldn't even yeah. got it right. I know you said shy because of shy, but because of shy town, I was trying to do a thing, I but got apparently it. not. Uh, so. This is going to be uh, Marvel's foray into the martial arts world. And I guess the first question I have for you guys is, Danny, what did you think of the action? You're the action connoisseur on the show. You're the guy. Yeah, I, I loved it. I actually really enjoyed this. I was a little bit worried because here's why. I wasn't sure about this, this, um, this character. I know nothing about this character. I'm going to be completely honest in my ignorance on this character. So when it was announced that the film was being made and we had a trailer, I, w- I, was, I had no idea what to expect. But obviously I knew there was going to be some sort of martial arts involved, right? So when we got the trailer and it was very action heavy the trailer is very much a a a physical trailer there's not much about story as yet and and how that's going to play out um i was impressed i enjoyed how the choreography was looking i enjoyed that it looked very um had realistic in that sense it wasn't so um crouching tiger hidden dragon kind of floaty yeah thanks Jonesy. so i was pleased about that so it is looks like it's going to be a bit more grounded a bit more realistic um and these guys clearly kind of know what they're doing right it looks like they have been trained if they're not already classically trained for many years and so i was very impressed with it and i'm excited by it because i know nothing about this character other than a little bit of research i've done since the trailer came out so right now I'm going to say it's a thumbs up. I'm excited and the action looks great. So right now at the moment I'm in like Gunga Din. Okay. And so that's the nice thing. So everything that you said, I agree with hundred percent. I know very little about this character. Um, and so that's probably the most exciting thing for me. Um, and one of the reasons I went to you for the action first is this guy is supposedly the best hand to hand fighter in the Marvel universe. Better than Danny Rand. So I'm really curious how that's going to play out (laughs) better than Danny Rand. And so for that, Nick, um, I'm going to lean on your, your comic book prowess, Nick. I don't know how much you've read of Shang-Chi, but given what you've seen of the trailer, what do you think? 
I have never even heard of him until this, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, wow. Um, <gasps> but what I love about Shit. it is that, uh, well, the Nintendo's getting, I mean, not Nintendo, Marvel's getting more and more obscure. Like, I would argue this is the most obscure character in a while. Like, I had heard of Ant-Man and stuff before those movies. Original Avenger, that kind of stuff. But, um, lost my train. Oh, the Ten Rings. I love that this is finally happening, considering the Ten Rings have been in the Marvel Universe since Iron Man. Yeah. Like, like it's been there, and then it was used again. And then there's the one shot's my favorite, where they Scott McNary comes to shoot. Hail to the King. Yeah. Shoot uh, yeah. Trevor in the face, because... And that's the last we've heard of. So let me ask you. I was going to ask you that, and I want to know now, Nick. I need a prediction from you right now. Are we going to get a Bane Kingsley cameo in this? I think he's dead. They might show you a flashback, like a news well, flashback ben, or something. Ben, ben Kingsley or the Mandarin? His Trevor Slatterly, dead. his character. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Trevor. Yeah, Ben Kingsley. <laughs> but, um... The actor, Ben Kingsley. <laughs> I do love their take on the Ten Rings is interesting because it looks like they're bracelets, not rings. If you look like he, they have all the power yeah. moves and some guy has five like bracelets on. Um, but which it, with the comic knowledge I do have, which will be interesting, is that the, the I forgot the name of the dragon. There's a big dragon Fing, tied Fing, into Fing. the lore. Yeah. And, you know, he's want, just like like Dormammu was ruined for Do- like rumored for Doctor Strange. He's rumored to be a not the villain, but a character in this. And he's actually an alien from outer space in the comics. And the Ten mm. Rings are actually made from material from his spaceship, which is why they have mystical properties and power. And I'm sure this looks See? like they're simplifying this too because of each one has a different power, kind of like the uh, Infinity Stones, but it looks like they're simplifying it to like, yeah, yeah it makes you super strong or whatever if you have them on your arms i love how nick is like you know i don't know that much about this here's five right? minutes of what i know about this i knew about the ten rings Fucker. not shang chi or chai or whatever were you a fan of that okay. nick? were you with the, the iron man's introduction of the mandarin were you a fan because we haven't spoken about because this is many years before we met when these movies came out were you a fan of that interpretation when when it was revealed that he wasn't the mandarin in that sense um I, I actually was in iron man 3 even but I just thought it was I was also very okay with them using it in the first Iron Man because they didn't know they would have this many movies and actually get like I think even when they yeah even when they did Iron Man three they didn't know that they'd actually get to the real Mandarin at any sure. point like that's too far in advance to know and like yeah with Iron Man it could have been the only film that and Hulk for all I knew so it was just a cool way to work in an Easter egg back then that is now actually becoming a thing as the movies go on and they're like. We need to turn every Easter egg into a plot point <laughs> or a ca- like, you know, rat- like we're probably going to bring back Abomination and Leader because we left them behind years ago. But so. were you were you disappointed or frustrated when it when the big reveal in Iron Man 3 that he wasn't, you know, he was just an actor? Because I thought it was a great for me as a not knowing anything about that character. I thought it was great fun. I love the way that he was now this British actor that was pretending that was clearly a drunk bumbling yeah. you know fool i thought that was great fun and a great add comedic value but i remember there was a lot of you know you know as, as the internet is there was a lot of ah oh, you fucked up the mandarin how dare you do this to him he's meant to be the big bad and you've made a joke of him you've made a bumbling fool so did you think that there was that they just invented that whole scenario or that there is actually 
something more to it at the time. Right now, we are thinking that there probably is more to it. Based I don't think at the watched. time. But at the time. I think at the time, if you look back at the movie, he just made up a terrorist. Um, right. And it also, like, Guy Pierce has that stupid line when he's on, like, fire. He's like, I am I'm the Mandarin. And that's like, yeah. it's almost being like, no, they didn't think of it until the short, which actually came pretty quick after it. So, but no one's yeah, seen Yeah, I feel like the, the short is a reaction to what Danny is talking about. Oh, the crowd? Yeah. 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 Yes, most people didn't yeah. like it. I thought it was hilarious and, you know, Marvel twists stuff all the time, like even the scrolls being good guys and well, as they should. Marvel, so I was fine with it. I think they should. I, it was interesting. Quite recently, I know we're going off topic here, Jonesy, a little bit. Well, we're, you know, we're staying within the realm. We're talking comics. We're talking Still Shang-Chi. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, kind of. Um, I've been listening to uh, Rob Liefeld's uh, podcast, and he's been talking about my f- favorite Marvel character, which is, of course, Deadpool, and how many iterations mm. there have been of him, how people have interpreted that character over the years and over the comics and how we've always had that in comics. There's been different takes on Batman. You know, the, it's not my Batman. This is my Batman and this is this and this is mine. So he was saying how wonderful it is. And he was a guy that created a character, how he loves to see these different interpretations of a character. And so when they did that with the Mandarin, and it was my first time seeing such you know, kind of anger about what supposedly someone's done with the character. And it's like, but this happens all the time in comics. This, this has always happened. There's always been interpretations you either love or you, or you don't like, but you have the one you hold on to, I guess, with more, you know, with more nostalgia, a little throwback there. But ultimately, it's always happened, right? So I, I do find it sometimes a little bit frustrating that we, we, we don't just allow Marvel to run with it and change things up a little bit to keep us guessing. I enjoy that part of it, I guess. Here's the counterpoint. Here's the counterpoint to that. I will say this. This is why I think it's slightly different. Deadpool is different because he's the anti-hero. He's the he's the hero character. And so you can kind of forgive um, different interpretations of or not. But I think the difference with the Mandarin is that Marvel up until recently had this issue with villains. They were very they weren't very good at them. Right. They, they either came and they were thrown away or they just weren't done well. And so I think that if you're going to do the Mandarin, who is Tony Stark's big bad guy then it has to be done well and for a lot of people who were hanging on to this feeling that marvel villains weren't being done particularly well and then you quote unquote ruin one that they really liked i think it adds insult to injury um because especially said that he liked the yeah and nick you said you you liked the reveal but you also in like within a couple of seconds said that the line from guy pierce is stupid Right. And I think that that is the insult to injury. I would have had that part been done better. I think people would feel differently about the reveal. Or even if he had never said that. Yeah. Just like, I hired that guy. I hired that guy to be the veteran. (laughs) But Josie also said a cool thing, Danny, that you might not know. Yeah. He's usually an Iron Man villain. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, Taskmaster is actually usually a Spider Man villain. I mean, they they fight everyone all the time. But like yeah. as they were developed originally. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay. No, I appreciate that. I guess for me is that you know there's certain comics that I'm a I know a lot about, and there's a lot that I don't know anything about, and so I really enjoy listening to to people when they have an in depth knowledge of it, but then also their opinion on Marvel's current cinematic take on those same characters. And so Iron Man must you, have a better you know what I like gallery. About this? 
than I thought because like Ghost is also an Iron Man villain. They're using like Iron Man villains all the time. Yeah. Or Spider Man driven's vibe, yeah. <laughs> like who just hate Iron Man. <laughs> I think what the the reveal for the Mandarin did was Danny was in the movie theater and all the comic book geeks were groaning. And then soccer. Like, ah, you all are just as fucked as yeah. You you didn't see Olé, this coming. <laughs> I saw just an interview where one of the women I think you fuckers know everything. One of the women like played like his like you know like basically prostitutes that you know he was just being given by how dare uh, you Guy Pierce. She's like, I want to play it for the real Mandarin too. <laughs> yeah. You guys ready? Yeah. Yes. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. We've got a new trailer for uh, Love, Death, and Robots Volume 2, which I'm kind of excited about. So this is Netflix's uh, anthology show. It's mostly animated. And I think from the last season, there was one that wasn't with Topher Grace. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of series. A lot of fun series. And I think the last one was Emmy nominated. So... Uh, this looks like more of the same, which I'm always down for. I'm, I'm a sucker for a good anthology. So I don't know if you guys had seen this before, had seen the first season. What'd you guys think of the trailer? I didn't see the trailer because I only Nothing. watched two episodes Nothing from the from first Danny. season. You're on your own on this one, okay. Ramsey. Take it away. I need you to watch on my own. Well, I'm excited. Series. I mean, if you if you didn't dislike the ones that you saw, like I enjoyed it. I've... I watched it all in one sitting and have often thought about, um, I've gone back and watched a couple of them multiple times, but I, um, I definitely think that it's worth a watch. I actually recommended it to someone who did the same thing that I did. They sat there and watched the whole thing. So yeah, guess it's just me, just me. By the time this is trailer for volume three, I'll have watched the first two volumes. Rest assured. I can't even, I don't even know. I don't know if I can even believe it. But we'll see. And I'm trying to remember. I know that there's a producer on this that you would like, Nick, and I can't remember who it was. I think it was um, David Fincher. So I think you're right. I learned David Fincher. So check it out. Check it out. Yeah. All right. Dead topic. Since you guys don't give a shit about love, death, and robots. <laughs> moving on. We've got a, a couple of headlines. Uh, I'm just. I'm just moving on. I'm moving on from my own story. I feel Fine. bad now, Jones. Do you need a hug? Um, Do you need a hug? We've got. No, 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 no. You stay over there. Uh, this week, we <laughs> learned some casting news. So we've got Marvel's Secret Invasion. We've got Olivia Coleman, Amelia Clark joining Nick Fury himself, Sam Jackson, in the uh, Disney Plus series that's coming out next week. I, I know of the comic book, and I know the general story, but I feel like I know, well, I probably know more about this than I do Shang-Chi. Um, Nick Dahl, does this news excite you about these two actresses coming to the show? Hell yeah. I mean, they're obviously, I mean, they're treating it like the movies as we've seen in the past. Like these are, someone made that comment where it's like, holy crap, that'd be a killer Marvel movie cast, let alone a TV cast. Uh, Olivia, God, I wrote the articles about both of them. This Coleman. Week. Coleman. Coleman. Like for example, Academy Award winning actress. They've done that a lot. Or at least usually they're in a smaller role, but you'll get like uh, Robert Redford or Anthony Hopkins or Kate Blanchett, you know, in your cast. Um, and then four time Emmy nominee um, Amelia Clark 
uh, pretty solid catch there too. And then they have a, they also have the rest of the cast obviously is filled out by Ben Mendelsohn and Nick Fury, but they also got um, Ben Adir. I can't remember his full name, but he played uh, King, Kingsley Ben Adir. Yeah. Uh, he played uh, uh, Malcolm X in the one night in Miami. Uh, yeah. Danny. So it's pretty I good. Think that was the casting that got me excited because I heard that he was going to be a villain. Yeah, he's supposed to be the main villain. But then again, Olivia Coleman had a quote from 2016 where she's like, I'd love to be offered a Marvel villain. I mean, a Marvel role. I really want to play a villain with superpowers. So, and, you know, there's going to be more than one evil scroll. So it's hard to know how the show is going to break down. And it's interesting that they're doing an Avengers level threat as a, um, or a revelation as a TV show. But I also kind of, the more I could close to it, I'm thinking it's going to be a, another buddy show but with Nick Fury and Talos, which would be fucking amazing. Okay. Yeah, it's a, I don't know a lot about the comic, but for people who don't know anything, it's you know the big comic that reveals that the scrolls who are usually bad in the comics, which is why it was a twist in Captain Marvel, have infiltrated Earth for decades. And characters we loved have been scrolls the entire line time or replaced by scrolls, um, which I don't yeah. go, they'll I think they'll go as far in as to this since they're not doing it Avengers movie style. Um, yeah, I'm interested. It's a, t- it's a title that's very recognizable in the comics community. And yeah, that's a really good cast right there so far. And the, they're probably cast more before they start shooting pretty soon. All right. Danny K. Yes, sir. What do you what want? Do you think? <laughs> I, I'm excited, especially by <laughs> Olivia Coleman. Um, I think she's, I've not been a huge fan. I mean, most people will know that she's been in, um, on the television in the U, in the UK, very popular worldwide as playing Peep Queen. show. Uh, uh, yeah. But Broad she, church. Yeah, so, well, what a lot of people might not know is how much of a fantastic comedic actress, actress she is. Huffers. Even though there's been there. Yeah. And so bringing her into this kind of show where, I mean, Marvel does do the, should we say the more fun side of things, the comic book heroes, characters, etc., very well. And so, her teaming up with or in opposition to um, Samuel L. Jackson, who also does comedy very well. I think it's a great lineup. Ben Mendelsohn obviously did a great turn in the Captain Marvel film as well. And I just lining up now, not to be like a, just obviously a comedic show, but it still like it's going to be a lot of fun. And that, that is, it cast really does excite me from that point of view. Amelia being in there is great. She's a great actress. She's never done, you know, she's been in a couple of bad films, should we say? Terminator Genesis. Yeah, she's never done anything really uh, terrible. I think it's just been some poor movies. Uh, I did enjoy Solo, even though not many people did, or quite a few people did. And uh, so I'm excited by that. But Olivia Coleman, absolutely. Nick, are you, was you a fan of Solo? Yeah, I like Solo. Yeah, good. A lot. I'm looking forward to the Lando TV show. (laughs) I'm hoping she's in it. He yeah. could definitely come back in that. The other thing, as we were just saying, Nick, about this not being like the comics, it again goes back to my previous point about how they're changing things up and mixing things up and how we don't really know what to expect. And I just find that really exciting. I find that fun. Not knowing anything, not knowing if, um, you know, what characters are going to be in it or not. I find that very exciting as a viewer. It means we don't know what's coming, so we can all be surprised even if we've read the comics. I've heard a rumor that Mephisto's going to be in it. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh i've killed danny <laughs> so angry <laughs> only blinking i'm Ouch. going to, you're you're going to fit you sir as a pugilist will feel mephisto up your asshole <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you? that man is that person has not That's been good. in in 
introduced into um, uh, what are we watching at the moment? Captain Soldier and the Winter Wing, or whatever we're watching. I'm glad he's not been introduced into yeah, that. Yeah, he's there. Yeah. Falcon and Punch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we got a bit of DC news that came out this week. So previously, actually, it's quite a bit of DC news, I just realized. Um, so the first one is that we talked about previously the Flash movie had begun um it's casting and we weren't entirely sure whether or not michael keaton was going to be in it and so the flash um has begun production has begun lensing and apparently michael keaton is in tow so that's going to be exciting news for anybody who is a fan of batman 89 and batman returns um gents do you all have any strong feelings about this one way or the other fucking happy about it i was really disappointed if it didn't work out yeah covid or whatever his last excuse was but this is awesome. I wouldn't have gone one to of my see dreams. It. You wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Ezra Miller does nothing for me as the Flash. But I, I love the director. Um, well, actually, his films are good, but his behind-the-scenes stuff is so funny. <laughs> but uh, and uh, I don't know. They were gonna have Ben Affleck in it. That counts as a Batman. You put a Batman in a movie, I'll try it out, even if it's the first Suicide Squad. <laughs> Okay. Who who is the director? Danny, what do you one? think? John G? Yeah, sorry. Who is the director? Andy Muschietti. Andy Muschietti, who directed Very Italian. It movies. A directed what? Sorry. The it it oh, okay. Okay. That's what got him nice. this, basically. Okay. Um, yeah. So fifty yeah, percent good. Yeah, that's kind of where <laughs> I'm. I'm sitting right on the, right on the fence on this one, as I quite often do. I, I'm not a huge fan of Flash as a character. Never really was. I'm. I'm indifferent with Ezra Miller's version of it. I did enjoy his character in the recent film that we saw that we've all talked to, talked to death about. So I'm kind of on the fence. The Michael Keaton thing, I think it goes back to nostalgia a little bit. And as much as I enjoyed those movies at the time, I, they're not ones that I revisit. They're not ones that, oh, I want a Batman fix. I'm going to put those on. I just don't do that. So that's not doing it so much for me. But Michael Keaton is fantastic. He's been doing some really good stuff recently. That's that true. might be the thing that gets me into the to see this film. That would be my point here. I think Nick, it, like like you, it, it, it's not really the Flash film that I'm. It, it's what he's going to be doing with those characters. Hell yeah, that's a killer Batmobile that we're seeing. John Z hold up. Ah uh, yeah, I, oh, I, 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 I got rid of it now, but I had the Lego one, and that was so much fun to build. So I totally get that. That was so much fun to build. Um, but yeah, so that's where I am. I, I'm, I'm more interested that now that Michael Keaton's evolved, but more because it's Michael Keaton, not because it's Michael Keaton Batman. That's true. That's what Jammer said on Slack. Where he's like, I'm more interested because he just played the Vulture than I am because he played Batman. Fair, but, fair. I don't know. You, I, aside from the I'm, first I'm two Nolan films, I've seen Tim, the Batman, his night, Batman 89, the most of any Batman film. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm both. I love Michael Keaton as an actor, and I love him as Batman. So for me, it's the best of both worlds. Getting to see him, so it'll be fun. I think it'll be. You, I think it'll be. What fan did you guys think? Of, what did you guys think as Michael Keaton as uh, Bruce Wayne or as Batman? You said you just said as Batman there. No, I know you meant generally, but do you think he was the best Bruce Wayne or both? I don't think he was the best um, either. But he's a pretty good balance. As Bruce Wayne is very eccentric, which is what I like about him. Like. And just kind of weird, like the scene where yep. they're looking at all this the stuff that Bruce Wayne bought. And earlier, Bruce Wayne said that he wasn't Bruce Wayne to the same people. And he's like, I got that uh, in Japan, actually. And then just the line when he's leaving the room, uh, give, what's your face, a grant? Give, no, Nox, give Nox, Nox a grant. A grant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I like Batman was actually um, soft spoken, which was interesting. Well, his, was like, ah, his Bruce Wayne, yeah, his Bruce Wayne was a little bit on the edge of being slightly crazy, and I quite enjoyed that. I like that little bit of element to it because, as you would be, right, you, you walk in those two worlds, yeah, one being very different from the other, it would be a little bit different. So, I did enjoy that. Sorry, Jones, I interrupted you, buddy. No, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I was talking. Um, I think I was just nodding emphatically in agreement. Um, I, I agree with you that his Bruce Wayne was kind of insane. And I think that's the thing that I liked about him, but I'm also completely recognized that I am seeing this through nostalgia colored glasses. Yeah. Um, that was my first Batman. I, I distinctly remember, I can tell you where I was sitting in the theater when I saw it, like mm-hmm. positionally. Um, I remember it that well. So for mm-hmm. me, this is my first Batman. And so he, even on rewatches, as I got older, it did not get worse. So for me, um, I like that his Batman was, I think what they did with his Batman was interesting because as you get older, you realize he's like five, nine, five, 10. He's not particularly physically intimidating. He's not Ben Affleck. Who's like six, three, six, four jacked. Um, he's not what Christian Bale did. And so what I think that they were able to do is find a way to make him menacing without all of that stuff. Um, so I appreciate that as I get older. Uh, so I like, I like both for different reasons. Cool. So I think the only disappointing thing about him was um, he is not the martial artist that Batman, I think is supposed to be. So I think that that would be the only place where it was a letdown, but that's not really him. Yeah. That was the, the That's the suit too. That's the that suit, suit was the not very kind. That's the suit too. Yeah. He like throws he one kick at one part. <laughs> Yeah, he can't turn his head. Um, and, and that's another part of it, too. Like, you, when you start reading about all that behind the scenes stuff and how Keaton basically, he was, he had to make that part of the character, his inability to turn his head and all that other stuff. So he made that part of who Batman was. And it, it became like these very dramatic turns. Um, and that works for the character. So for me, uh, again, what they were able to do at the time and what he was able to do with that character, I liked. Yeah, that's fair. Which is why, again, if he wasn't in the movie, I'd be out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's jump to the next one because this is more Batman news. Apparently, the HBO Max show that will be based on the Batman will be Gordon-focused. I think that this is kind of fascinating. Jammer didn't particularly like this idea. Uh, as he said on Slack, I don't either because we've already had this show before. Um, the only difference will be that Batman completely and totally exists in this world, whereas the Fox version, that was something that happened at the tail end of the show. Plus, um, you had to follow you guys Bruce Wayne this? and Alfred, which I feel took away yeah. from Gotham. It's like, I don't care about them and Tether. I don't care about young Catwoman like Selena Kyle. I right. want to. But yeah, that was my problem with that show. Um, I'm glad. I assume they're using Jeffrey Wright. They want to tie it as close as possible. I'm glad he's kind of getting his own HBO show. Um, he's great, like on everything else I've seen him in, even small roles like, like Bond or that train movie. I can't remember the name of the train movie where time starts over for uh, Jake Gyllenhaal every time he dies because he's trying to find out who bombed the train. Oh, source code. Um, source code. Oh, God damn it. He was even a source dickhead. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, cool. And, and I think the main difference here is this is what I wanted from Gotham when it came out. I wanted Batman to exist. I knew I had to have Pat Pattinson 
Batson play him. You could, ju- but I would like to see uh, like he's like we see a figure scuttle away from a crime scene as the like Gordon and team show yeah. up or something, um, and maybe some early. So Batman what you're villains. describing. There was a Batman animated series episode exactly like what you're describing. Like Bullock, it was, right? It was, I think it was called POV. Uh, yeah, so Bullock was in it. Montoya was in it. And there was like some other rookie cop was in it. I and remember that so one. all of them are telling stories about what they saw. And all of them saw Batman differently. Um, and so to your point about having someone in and out of the shadows and not ever having to show Batman, like that is a, that is, again, I agree with you, what I would have wanted from Gotham rather than what we got. Uh, Danny, you really need to watch Batman the Animated Series. And they could yeah. borrow a lot from year one. <laughs> so come full circle. Year one is half uh, yeah. Gordon's story. And you could even use this. He looks like he is commissioner or something by the time we get, to, maybe just, maybe not. He's, I don't know how often. Times commissioners are at crime scenes, but he seems higher up than at the start of Batman Begins in the the Batman trailer. So maybe this could yeah. be the story of him taking down the corrupt. Um, the commissioner is very corrupt in like Long Halloween and uh, Batman Year One. So this could be this, and his first partner like beats the shit out of him because he won't be a dirty cop. So maybe they'll see some of right. that storyline, and maybe it's more about him taking down corruption in Gotham PD than it is, yeah, super villains. Hopefully. But yeah, Danny, did you watch the CW show? No, I, I, the, a lot of the CW shows I've, I'm not even aware of. Uh, sorry, I am aware of that them. one's a I've not show. had chance. Yeah, I've not seen any of them. And I'll be oh, honest sorry. with you, yeah, guys, you're I, right. don't, I don't have it much was... interest in any of them, to be honest. I, I, the closest I've got, and you'll probably tell me I'm wrong here, but the closest I got, I think, was that I started watching Green Arrow. We've got three seasons into Green Arrow, and that started to get a bit repetitive for me. So I think that's as far as I've ever touched onto the CW world, whatever that is. So, yeah, not got a lot of yeah. interest in this. I'm, and I'm sorry, you I guys talk. I misspoke and they corrected me. It was Fox. I completely forgot that it was Fox. And it wasn't CW. Berlanti producing either because Berlanti produced yeah. some shows for other net. Maybe he didn't. Constantine was its own thing. And then they folded that back into Legends of Yeah, Tomorrow, that was on NBC at first. Yeah. That's why okay. it got canceled. It was too expensive for not big enough an audience. And then... CW spends a lot less and gives you a lot more superhero-y stuff. So that's all the yeah. Berlanti-verse I've seen is every episode of any show that had Constantine in it. <laughs> mm, like two episodes of Arrow, Legends two of episodes of Legends of Tomorrow, then every episode of Legends of Tomorrow once he joined on the reg. <laughs> and it looks like we're getting new scenes of that soon. Uh, he was on the, the cover, so it looks like he's uh, a season show regular. So Yeah, he has been for a few seasons. In fact, good for you. There are people who have been on longer that in the opening credits of like the last season, for example, it only shows four of the characters. And one of them is Constantine. He is, it's all about magic yeah. the last few seasons and stuff. So he's needed for everything. Yeah. And I actually just saw that um, Mick is leaving as well. So well, um, what was his name? Fire. What? He's not. Unless he wrote something else again. He claims that was a joke. That was probably something he wrote while drunk. He's like, no, I was just kidding. I'm not quitting the show. I so what I read the follow up was it was like he was quitting, but he would only be on intermittently. Like he wasn't going to be a regular like he is now. I mean, he's barely been. A, I mean, he's in like every episode, but he usually gets like five minutes or something in the yeah. Constantine era. Yeah. And that's the other so thing we'll about see. that show is they do cycle through characters intentionally, not just because actors yeah. want to leave, but they're like, no, nah, Legends kind of evolves 
like the Avengers. Yeah. Um, last thing on the DC news, I there was a correction I wanted to do. So previously we talked about um, some of the casting that happened in the Snyder cuts. So it was previously reported as a rumor-ish that Trevante Rhodes from uh, Moonlight was the person that was cast as Jon Stewart and played him in uh, Zack Snyder's driveway, I guess, so that they could cut it into the Snyder cut before WB said no. And in actuality, it was another actor by the name of Wayne T. Carr. So he's a Shakespearean trained actor that I've, I've never heard of before. Um, but Snyder came out and confirmed and said that he was a great actor and um, that it's too bad that he got cut. So sorry about that. Uh, accuracy is You're important, forgiven. I suppose. You're Maybe. forgiven. Sure. So there's the correction. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Um, there was a deal nick do you want to do the sony story i feel like this is more like you would know more about this than i do yeah i wrote Um, the article on it so the sony story is the one where okay well well god damn it nick you're the expert so i'll tee it up for you and you can take it away after i muddle all over it so apparently disney plus has (laughs) made a deal or disney has made a deal with sony where it see i'm screwing it up already where a bunch of their um, <laughs> movies to include Spider-Man will come to all of Disney's streaming services. Um, and, you know, it's a deal that's going to run from, uh, I think, next year all the way through 2026. And, yeah, that seems to be the thing that's getting everybody pretty excited. Nick, wh- what are the finer details of this that I am missing? Well, some of the finer details make it less sweet of a deal. Um, first, for you, I saw you comment on Slack, <laughs> Danny. It's an America-only deal, just like the Netflix part. Um, but And that's the other problem. They just struck the deal with Netflix, which gives Netflix the exclusive run for, like, they call it the period one. Nine months, right? No, they get it after nine months like a D blue because okay. you don't usually put it on Netflix the same time it comes out on Blu-ray. You have to wait a little bit. So people buy their Blu-rays. And then, so about the time it would take a movie to get to FX or television is when Netflix gets it. So like a year, a year and a half. Um, so that's why it's not as sweet of a deal because like you have to basically wait a year and a half to get, but it'll include, yeah, like Venom, Morbius, um, anything else they do at Sony. I don't know. I assume the part of the deal that people are most excited about kicks in sooner, which is, I don't know the rules on old content. Like I, they don't mention the article, but like, for example, we could have all the Spider-Man films thus far on Netflix. I mean, on Disney plus tomorrow, as far as I understood the, the deal, which is, I think the most important part, because it'd be Disney plus is going to want like every Spider-Man movie, including Spider-Verse on their service leading up to no way home especially with like if there's going to be cameo or you know especially with doc Ock coming back and stuff it makes the old ones important again um and actually the deal includes a lot of sony properties but most of them would go to hulu or fx like right. jumanji would be in disney's library which includes hulu and fx and just other but i think that and i what other weren't there blade would be with sony right but that would be R-rated, so Blade would probably go. No, to that. that was New Line. Oh, it was. Who did Sony do Ghost Rider yeah. then? And one of those is rated R. So the rated R one, those might go to Hulu. I don't know how violent the PG-13 one is, but again, those could be part. Those are probably part of the deal. 
where the PG-13 Ghost Rider could end up on Disney Plus along under the Marvel banner. So that's how I understood it. Yeah, but does anybody want that? No, that's the thing. (laughs) Maybe somebody. But the main takeaway I got from it is that even though they just made a deal with Netflix, Sony is still willing to... I don't know. They're showing they're willing to work with Marvel more than any ever before. So I hope deals like this bode well for Spider-Man staying okay. in the MCU, etc., etc. Okay. So that was, you know, a lot of stuff. I'm I'm not particularly a fan of a lot of Sony properties, uh, especially the first ones you rattled off, like Morpheus and um, I'm sorry, Morbius and uh, Venom. But Danny given that this is a U.S. only deal, um, yeah. do you care at all? I mean, does this excite you? How does this make well, you feel it, as a second, third class citizen? Just being here yeah, as an art. I'm clearly an afterthought after you guys in the U.S. Um, I, I, guess I, I guess I need to know a little bit in more detail how the things are going to look on Disney+. Plus. So, Nick, when, when films, let's take Morbius as an example, when that's released, does that mean that will go on to, as far as you're aware, onto the big screen, but also onto Disney+, Plus, or did I just completely misunderstand what the deal is? So is it going to be like Raya, The Last Dragon? Is it going to be like a premium Disney+, Plus or Netflix, no? The Sony stuff? No. No, okay, so... Because it's coming years No, later. I, think that's just, I think that's just pandemic protocol, yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's really then just just um, existing properties that it's are like having because... the old X Men movies on there. Okay, right. or they well, don't own Sony. Yeah. In that sense, then it's not really that much more exciting because I would see Morbius on the big screen anyway. I guess is my point. So I'm not going to miss out. It's not like I'm going to be missed in six months in advance or whatever. This is the only that would be the only thing is whether or not I miss out on seeing these films on the big screen six months after you guys do but i guess that's not the case so no in that case then makes no difference to me then keep that shit i wasn't a fan of those ones anyway <laughs> a bit like you jazzy morbius intrigues me like, i'm I... not super excited but it does intrigue me i am interested okay i have breaking marvel yeah, news I... after you guys are oh. done. what's your breaking marvelness well it will be breaking tomorrow i wasn't gonna but... do anything but trash morbius oh yeah it's going to Russell be more Crow's interesting than Sony. Role has been revealed in Thor God, Thor Love and Thunder. He's playing Zeus. My word. I don't know I how important it. a character that is in that well, he's, universe, he's fairly, but it seems bigger important. than a cameo. Because we also know Hercules is a character they're going to get to eventually. So, mm. does that mean, I don't know the Marvel comics well enough, does that mean the, uh, the Olympian gods are a different planet of aliens than the Asgardians? Different plane. Yeah, a maybe. different planet even or something <laughs> you know like they're actually aliens not gods yeah i don't know i always get it confused is is asgard in the mcu a planet or another plane of existence i always thought it was another plane rather than a planet that's true because it is like flat <laughs> with... yeah just like jodenheim um those all seem like so having to use the Bifrost bridge to get to other places made it seem more like it was um, another plane of existence rather than a different planet. I always picture it more like just the transporter in Star Trek where you just move really fast to other planets. Mm. I don't okay. know. Something to look up. Um, but yeah, I, I if if I were a betting person, I would say that the Olympians are just on another plane. Rather than, um, yeah, 
Well, that's pretty that's good casting. When I Not when you saw sure. he was gonna be in the movie, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be in one of the actor scenes where he's playing someone. But no, he's gonna be Zeus. He's <laughs> probably gonna get fired for saying that. <laughs> but he's Russell Crowe. He's not actually gonna get fired. Yeah, somebody else did the same thing. Didn't Alfred Molina reveal something that he wasn't supposed he revealed to? Revealed that he was like, Doc Ock. He wasn't supposed we never to say that officially. he was in the movie, but he, then he revealed that he was. Yeah. yeah, and he also like revealed like, yeah, <laughs> it takes place minutes after I go into the water. Um, and the director told me no one really dies in this universe, and they're gonna de-age him, even though he's like, but the tentacles do all the work, and I just make faces. It was a great, uh, wasn't it? I saw a great meme on that recently, or something to do with Kevin Feige's, um, uh, Feige's uh, uh, PA talking to uh, Alfred Age, Molina's yeah. PA. We're really fucking angry. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Shut yeah, the they do up. the um, like Doc Ock after telling Kevin Feige, and he's like the whole. See a Spider-Man and then like jumping off the tree. <laughs> uh, Jonesy, just going back. Um, um, the gods, hmm. Olympi- Olympian gods, extra-dimensional space connected to Mount Olympus on Greece. So that can't, yeah. So extra-dimension-dimensional, right. extra-planetary, uh, planar. So yeah, there you go. Extra-dimensional space connected to Mount Olympus in Greece. So this will, oh, this will be after. Ooh. I don't actually. I don't remember if Hercules is in the etern- ex- internal external and eternals are not but eternals yeah there was rumor that a while ago even though it's not technically one the sequel the internals (laughs) do you want that other piece of news you don't know yet jonesy let's do so the other headline that i was going to do was apparently there is a rock'em sock'em robots movie coming with vin diesel starring in it and we don't really know much about it uh, other than the joke that I'm sure Jammer was going to make that this is a sequel to Real Steel. And the joke that I was going to make was this is Real Steel versus the Iron Giant. But <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. But Nick, what's your news that's going to make me sad about Fast and Furious? It is Fast and Furious news. Jason Statham hopes he gets to be in the 10th movie so that he can get, resolve his issues with Han. Meaning he is not in the going to make me sad. Oh, I thought you were expecting him to show up in F9. You're like, I can't wait for the trailer where he shows up. So stuff. That's not scheduled at all. He's just hoping he's in 10. I don't think it makes me sad. Um, I, as oddly as it sounds, the same way that Danny kind of trusts the Marvel Universe to do stuff. I trust that if they were going to bring Han back into the series, that they had a plan for how that actually works and so if it doesn't if it means that they don't meet and we don't resolve all of that issue until the next movie that just gives me something to look forward to you know what i know you would i know you're gonna hate this idea i'd rather have them resolve it in hobbs and shot 2 than fast 10 fuck you fuck you i'm not going to watch hobbs and shaw to no 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 if they did that i'd be man now Nah, son, I'm out. I'm out. We shall but that's see. it. That's it for all the news and the headlines and the trailers. And man, I'm just, I'm seething. No, it's not happening. So I don't have to get upset. That's not what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> you guys want to do some, uh, some snowbird watching? Snowbird watching? You want to jump right to the nobody review? What do you guys want to do? What do you know? Snowbird watching. Yes. Snowbird watching. Just make me. Got to talk about Falcon and the winner. All right. We got to talk about Falcon. So here we are at the penultimate episode. By the time this episode of the GURP, Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast airs, you will have access to the final episode 
of Snowbird, but here on the show, we'll be talking about the penultimate episode of the show, which was, at least for me, um, really, really good. And I think what they did was pretty fantastic. They, they started out with a great fight scene, um, and we can jump into that later. I'm curious, again, what Danny thought of the fight scene in this. But then they got real fucking political um, and talked about some no kidding racial issues in this and all of the things that have to get resolved in order for Sam to feel comfortable taking up the mantle of Captain America. Plus, we got some cameos that Nick is really excited about. Um, This episode was pretty jam packed. If I had one disappointment, it would be that thus far, it seems like the GRC is under cooked as a thing that we're supposed to have any particular feelings about. So, um, Danny, I'm going to start with you. How did you feel about this episode of Falcon and the Warrant Soldier, episode five? Truth. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I did post a couple of comments about, um, I used the word filler episode, but I think to clarify what I meant by that was it wasn't used in, an, in a negative sense. I it was more to me, it was that calm before the storm, but it was a really good sense of calm. We had a lot of stuff going on. It was really well paced and acted, had some really, really meaty subject matter that I wasn't, you know, I'm pleased that we've managed to get into some what we would call fun shows, right? They're, they're entertaining, fun, uh, entertaining uh, shows for all ages, but this was touching on some pretty serious and heavy subjects like you touched, like you mentioned in the little write-up there. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job with that. I, I enjoyed the fact that it was slower and it was calmer after the initial fight scene. And I think that was setting the scene very, very well for the next the next episode, the final episode. So although I, I mentioned it was a filler episode, I, I didn't want that. I, I think to clarify my point of view there was that's not a negative slight, uh, slight on that episode. It was good. It was really good at doing that. Where there has been other filler episodes in other shows, not, not Marvel shows, where it's been boring. We could cut that out. You could probably not watch the episode and not lose anything. This one, I think you'd lose an awful lot if you didn't watch this episode in context of the rest of the show. So in that sense... I think they did a great job. So yes, loved it just as much as the previous episode, but for different reasons. So I'm super stoked about it and looking forward to the next one before we dive into those deeper subjects you just mentioned. New, how about the fight scene? Okay. Oh, you want it? Yeah, uh, much better than the first the one. Fight. I had, uh, yeah, I had some issues with the with the um, in air fight scene in the first episode. This one, the choreography and the camera placement and all that stuff was really, really good. My only issue with it was what did Sam do at the end? I don't quite, I haven't had a chance to rewatch it yet, but there was the scene where um, Bucky, a winter soldier had picked up, should we say bad cap and was about to finish him, was about to end it. It was all over. For some reason, Sam got involved and it was when Sam got involved that it caused them all, all three of them to become separated. I have to, yeah, and I, I, why did you do that? Clearly, Bucky had this shit under control at this point, so I'm not quite sure what happened there. Forgive me, though, I might need to rewatch it. Maybe my memory's not quite so clear on that, but I do remember at the time thinking, why did you do that, dude? Bucky had him. So that was it, but that was a, um, a slight uh, question I have over what was actually a really good, well-choreographed, well-understood fight scene. I knew where everybody was geographically at all times, and that, that made it cool. Watch it again. I got to, I'm going to have to. So what's funny about that is, I'm sorry, Nick. Um, Yeah, I'm going to kick it to Nick in a second. But what 
I was going to say before you said that now you're making me question myself, that fight to me mirrored the fight between all of the Avengers slash Guardians and Thanos in the sense that he's got this gauntless gauntlet slash shield. And the difference was the Guardians and the Avengers were not in sync. And here you had two guys who they have finally grown into their relationship and were pretty much in sync. And they were able to do what those other people couldn't do. So in Avengers, they were able to get the glove almost off and then they they fell apart because they weren't in sync. These guys broke his arm and took that shit. Um, So I really, I liked what you were seeing, which was the evolution of their partnership. It was like a dance between the two of them. Until you said what you said just now, Danny. Now I'm like, fuck. Did I see what I thought I saw? No, <laughs> no I don't that know. Was a I think you move. did. Yeah, I think Nick. you did. I think you're absolutely right. The way you described that. Sorry, Nick. I, I think he's absolutely right. It was just that maybe at the last moment, they stood on each other's feet, which they haven't done before. So it was a wonderful choreographed dance. But maybe they were a bit tired and one of them made a slight mistake and didn't do a cha-cha-cha shuffle to the left and, and, and messed it up a little bit. But that may well See, be. See, and that's why we had to get the boat. See, getting the boat scene now like this. Right now that they've right. done the boat thing yes. together, they're like yep. this. We're like they're like interlaced fingers for those who can't see. Yeah, everyone Jones- except I'm for sorry. us. Yes, Jonesy with his fingering <sighs> again. God damn it! <laughs> again. To understand that reference, you have to watch another episode of Breaking Geek Radio where we are playing Dungeons and Dragons. And there's lots of fingering. It's just super weird. There we go. There we go. Lots of, lots of this. That's that's a fingering. I fixed it. I fixed it. You can't see it, but I just did that. (laughs) That to me, it felt like they were in super sync for the final move. It was like a finishing move where Bucky had him up in the air and he basically slammed him into the shield the same time the shield is being propelled at him with Falcon's uh, little jetpack they like to use when fighting, which I found really cool. Um, And of course, it also mirrored Civil War as far as Bucky and cap being in sync against iron man um i love the episode i still think each episode's been better than the last because each one builds i feel properly on the last episode um i know that there were some complaints we discussed about the third episode and how falcon really wasn't that smart or driving it but i still feel like that was falcon and the winter soldier even though it's about falcon becoming cap this was definitely more of a falcon episode and that was kind of a zemo bucky episode um, uh, I, I don't know who jumped on Danny on a discord about calling it a filler episode. Cause I took it as a not negative connotation. Whereas like, I understand why the writer called this his favorite episode because he just got to write character development for like 50 minutes of it. Some of it's an action scene, the rest of it's characters growing, obviously their relationship with the boat, but mainly, yeah, it's this episode is about, Sam Wilson becoming Captain America by talking to all the people he needs to talk to to convince him, even though he's hearing people yeah. saying don't do it, and he's hearing people saying you should do it. Um, from talking to Isaiah, Bra- Isaiah Bradley to Bucky apologizing that him and Steve just didn't realize what the fuck they were doing when you know they meant, didn't yeah. get it. They're not just white guys, they're white guys from like the 40s. <laughs> didn't realize the connotation. Whites only bathrooms and such. Not White's Only Shield, though. They were ahead of the time. Yeah. But, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, what it things- does set up a giant action sequence with, like, everyone involved, even Batrock, which is, is going to be good. And I think 
There's two theories with the GRC or whatever. He's got to be able to beat him. He will. The training montage. He doesn't need superhero serum. But uh, I think with the GRC, there's a theory that I don't like that um, I forgot which guy I watch. Maybe new rock stars. Maybe someone else. I watched quite a few of the videos, you know, pointing out Easter eggs and stuff. Um, he thinks there was an entire c- plot line cut, as was rumored two year- was rumored a year ago that there was a pandemic in the show, which is why we see vaccines and people dying and just some changes in shots from the trailer to the special effects shots for the trailer to the show. I feel like they would have had to reshoot a lot to remove that storyline. So I don't know if I buy that, but I do buy that. I think the GRC so far are supposed to be set up as like, like a lot of the villains, like her team, you can kind of look at and it's like, it's trying to make you relate to them. It's tried to make you relate to uh, John Walker as much as it could until he lost his shit. Um, But I just think they're supposed to be just be the evil government organization mirroring some of our administrations are just like, now that's over. Everyone who was a refugee has to get the fuck out of our country. Like, they're just supposed to be yeah. the evil conglomerate that we're not supposed to feel for. They've been fucking up the little shanty towns. And I guess the problem with that I have with that is I feel like what we're supposed to feel with, um, is it Carly? Carly. Um, yeah, I think so. Is we're supposed to feel sympathy for her as a character. And what that means is that her fight is a righteous one. And I feel like to make her fight a righteous one, we need to feel that this, we need to feel what you're describing about the GRC. And I think we kind of get like the overtones of what they've done, but I don't think it was done well enough for me to at least feel what I think they're trying to get us to feel. So I'm hoping that they're able to resolve that in the next episode. And as far as the cameo, yeah, it was just, I mean, like, it's not like a, it's better than a Paul Bettany finding himself tease cameo, but like, and then, but I, and I obviously, you know, you could expect anyone. I wasn't obviously she's not an Al Pacino or like that or, or a Matthew McConaughey size cameo. But Julia Louis Dreyfus, uh, I don't know. I like her character because she's a uh, her name. She's been many people in the comics. Um, I think they're going to simplify it. She's been Madame Hydra very briefly. She's been Nick Fury's girlfriend back when Nick Fury was white. She's been Agent Fourteen. She's worked for Leviathan. I think they're simplifying her into a character that's just putting together a Thunderbolts type style team, Mm. which I think will be more like a dark Avengers than the Thunderbolts. There'll be an anti Avengers team, not a suicide squad type team because she's already got Walker. Zemo's being sent to the raft, which they're keeping all their supervillains in the same place now in Marvel, like Arkham Asylum, which is never smart. And so she could be working with Thunderbolt Ross. She could be working for Hydra, but yeah, as one article I wrote this week, uh, the writers des- and director described her as a, an evil Nick Fury, but with a sense of humor, which Nick Fury does not have. <laughs> so, um, and she, yeah, she's so confirmed to be in Black Widow. you wrote Widow. those articles, so that's what I was going to ask you. So she was supposed to actually premiere in Black Widow, right? Yeah. What implications, if any, do you think that that has for her character, the storyline? I think she's going to because disappear at, the same way. Let me, that. let me put a finer point on it. The, the finer point I guess I've put on it is th- there was a moment where I thought that she might be the power broker. I um, that at first. And I don't know if that's too reachy. And what I would like about that is given the fact that she 
at least in the comic book was Madame Hydra. I would love that if she, when Hydra fell, had to become the power broker and then Sharon in turn had to turn to her, um, someone from an organization that she helped take down to basically subsist because the government turned on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would give more meaning to uh, Sharon's kind of downfall or turning against the U.S. government. Yeah. I doubt she's the power broker, though, because that f- feels like she's... I don't even know if we'll be, find out who the power broker is. Or I feel like, she's more than that. I think the power broker is someone of a... Compared to who she is or will become, I think uh, I think she's more than the power broker. I think. Yeah, the article's broker. hinting at she's nobody in particular yet, but she's she's Nick Fearing. She's going to show up for like five minutes. Maybe she'll... I mean, she she could get uh black widow's little sister is the rumor i like the idea better that she could at the end she's like oh hey taskmaster taskmaster you weren't killed like can i talk to you about uh you know just smart decision the you're ever gonna Avengers make too is up that phone <laughs> yeah thunderbolts initiative um be, yeah and that's another theory is maybe she's related to the red room which is why she was going to appear in that movie first mm. or more of the russian side of things but we, we, are, we don't know her motivations it does sound like she's putting together a team based on Vanity Fair articles and the like, where their Marvel yeah. wasn't willing to come out and say, "Hey, you'll see her a lot after this." Yeah. One of the other things I really liked about this episode was um, going back to kind of the fight and Nick, what you talked about, where Walker kind of loses his shit on uh, this panel of folks in front of him. I like the fight because it represents uh, different eras of war so you've got bucky who comes from world war ii then you've got uh walker who's coming in this last iteration of the afghanistan war and then sam who started out in the iraq afghanistan conflict so all of these guys who've seen hmm? and he's a few years retired obviously yeah he's been avenging so uh, right I just like the idea that these are all military guys who have seen war in different eras, different different parts of U.S. conflicts, um, and just have different views on how the world is and how it should be. And I, I, I really liked that. And one of the things I liked that that kind of built to was Sam is an individual who, in a different timeline, could have helped Walker work through some of the issues that he's having now and the argument that he had with this panel after they broke his arm about you guys built me um i really liked and i think it it doesn't go a long way towards forgiving what walker did but it does mitigate some of it um but one of the questions that it raised for me was walker lies to battlestar's parents without hesitation about the person that he killed, right? They were like, hey, so you you killed the person that killed our son. And he's like, yup. And to me, that only move. further kind of shows, well, no, no. He's gonna, I think his goal to his is to kill the guy that did it um, next episode. Like, that's no, why he's no, driven, no, no, I think. No, no, no. He, he, I think he fucked up. And I think that he's just lying. Um, and I think it speaks to his character and some of the things that he did in Afghanistan. And mm-hmm. so either the lies that he had to tell other people and the lies that he had to tell himself to be able to do the next thing because he was out of control. 
he was out of control when he killed that guy. And so I get what you're saying as a, as a point of comfort, but when he killed that guy, he was completely out of control. And that's what makes me think that it's more about him and being able to move on beyond that moment to kind of lie to himself. So it does I, look I thought guilty that, that was that really scene, fascinating. I, th- I could read it on his face. Yeah, like, I am going to kill that motherfucker. Yeah. So and another interesting I really thing, just like it. politically, which is a, a nice comparison, is uh, well, I want to talk about this scene, and then we should talk about the post credit scene. But um, the uh, the idea that John Walker, Isaiah Bradley is the same way. He's like, you made me, but the white man gets to go free. The black guy gets put in prison for 30 years and tortured. <laughs> That's kind of the comparison. Well, like looking I, at John Walker versus Isaiah the- Bradley. So I think the better comparison is Steve Rogers and Isaiah Bradley, because in the first Avengers movie, the POW um, camp, I'm sorry, in the first Avenger movie. Yeah. So he, Isaiah Bradley described himself as doing the exact same thing that Steve Rogers did and where Steve Rogers comes back and is heralded as a hero. Then you get the thing that you were just describing about Isaiah Bradley, where the complete opposite happens. They lock him up and they experiment on him. Um, so to me, that was the mirror. Okay. And then mm. the post credit sequence. So I made a cool meme about it where they use this quote where he's like, I'm not Bruce Banner. I'm not Iron Man. Like I'm just being the best cap I can be or whatever. And he's making the shield and they have like the, I'm, I'm no Tony Stark over the picture. And he's, you know, yeah. it's very similar. And he's gone from being given the cap title to like back in his garage, building his own shield like from scraps John in his Walker built this in a cave from scraps that's right yeah which is it's interesting to have the iron man imagery which i feel yeah. is very intentional um mm-hmm. in that scene along yeah, with the idea that he's like i'm putting my medals into my fucking shield and it may not hold up against vibranium but you can still murder someone with that that shield and you can still take a bullet well, with a shield if it's made correctly yeah. so yeah i think it'll you be can still throw it can we talk you about can still do the, and kill someone did we talk about him putting his medals, medals of honor in there and me thinking that they were going to get broken like no. a metaphor? Mm-mm. Okay. That's my theory. I think it's going to get broken. So he, he melted his medal of honor and put it in to the shield. And I think it'll get broken just like his honor. So that's my metaphorical prediction. Did he? I, I'm now, now you've got me with it. I thought he just put the actual medals on the shield, but you were saying now he melted them into the, I think he melted them down. Oh, I, I didn't tell. catch that. I must have missed some. I thought he was just yeah, like putting all the medals on the shield. So I just figured that they were going to be visible when he uses the shield. But I mean, I could be wrong. I, I guess we'll have to it wait was hard to, to see tell, the, the finished think. product. Yeah. It was hard to tell, but the, one of the videos I did watch said that it looked like he was melting them down completely to hold the rings okay. together. Ah, that could yeah. be it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to, so a little bit deeper about the conversation between Falcon and Isaiah Bradley. Mm. Um, yeah. To me, that was a, um, that was a hard conversation to watch, especially because the line that he said that stuck with me was, if you're not bitter, you're blind. Yeah. Um, as someone who serves in the military, that, that just, it sits with me because I think about it all the time. Even before I saw this, that is the thought that crosses my mind. And you think about the things that the U.S. government has done and um, and not even just the military, right? The fact that you go overseas and fight for your country and 
then you see what happens at home and it's, it's hard. And so it's, it's just, it felt like a conversation that I have with myself all the time. And it was, it was gut wrenching, uh, especially when you had the, the young second Lieutenant get pulled over by the cops because we didn't talk about this on the show, but there is a, um, who's the, who's the guy, the jammer doesn't care for, uh, the reporter it's poop or dog shit. What's his name? Cocksucker. Um, doom, doom, doom sucker. Co- uh, Doomcock. Thank you. Doomcock. Doom <laughs> so Doomcock had an article or he reported on something a few weeks ago uh, when the second episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier came back, came out. And it was the idea that a lot of people turned it off when oh, yeah. Bucky and Sam were getting rousted by the cops. And to me, I thought that that was fascinating because then you had something like that happen in real life. Um, and I'm not saying the second lieutenant is an Avenger, but to me, you, you had a mirror in real life of that scene. So, yeah. And I, I, listening to Isaiah Bradley have that conversation, um, it just felt like a, a gut punch. And what I love about it is that um, you have an individual who represents the past and Sam, who sits in the present, who can't say that everything is fine, but he believes that it's better. That's been his experience, that it's better. And Isaiah Bradley doesn't even want to look at the shield because it doesn't, ha- it doesn't represent anything good for him. But then you've got a scene later on in the episode where his nephews are playing with the shield. And then one of them is like tracing his fingers on the star. And so they're kind of the future, right? The hope. And so they don't have that same feeling of anxiety and angst when they look at the flag or the shield or anything like that. And that's what I love about that. It's like, it's so beautiful. Um, So I I just, when Nick talks about everything builds and and, and it just gets better, like the fact that they even went there and the fact that they were able to do it so well and tie it all together with the conversation between book. Yeah, exactly. But tied all together with Bucky and uh, Sam having a conversation and playing Great. catch, literally playing catch. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would argue that from um, from you know looking at the glasses half full kind of point of view, I would argue that it, it's it's great that that we're in a position where shows are being made like this, but they're should we say brave enough, or they're willing to, or they're able to put a lot of time and effort into this incredibly important part of what's going on in American culture at the moment and actually focus on it and not be nervous about doing it, not be scared about doing it, not be trying to be politically correct or incorrect and actually do it. And so like you just mentioned there, Jam, I found that difficult to watch as well from obviously a very different point of view, but I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, how are things going to get better unless someone's actually going to step up and try to make them better rather than living in the past and so Sam, like you said, is right on that, that, that line of understanding the important lessons that needed to be learned about the shit that happened in the past. But he's got nephews now that look at this as a positive and, and to make things better for the future. And so I think they did that really well, showing Sam's not necessarily being torn as much, but certainly giving him lots to think about. You know, he's got to understand the shit that went down and it's not good and it's had a negative impact on a lot of people's lives. But at the same time, unless someone steps up and does something good about it, it's not going to change as quick as we would like it to. And I think they did a great job with that, showing the older person's perspective, rightly so, and then the young nephews looking at that shield as something good, representing a good thing. You know, Cap was a good thing to them, and the shield represents 
positivity and hope and all that stuff. So I agree. I think they did a really good job there. And that's me looking at it as an outsider, so to speak, looking in that doesn't have the same, you know, personal uh, connection to all the shit that's happening and has happened in the past. Yeah. So yeah. I really like that. And I found it difficult from that perspective. I was going to say, sadly, a lot of the stuff that you said is in the past is very on the forefront in the news almost yeah. daily here oh. still. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about like it. There's still embarrassment or the inner neither of them are really wrong. Neither that? of them are wrong. That's what I love about it. Yeah, I said neither of them are wrong, and that's what I really love about it. Like the the fears that Isaiah Bradley expressed to your point, Nick. Those are real things. So current things. <laughs> um, yeah. Not with so this case I, I thought as much it was as fascinating. The other stuff we've seen, and I will say one final thing. Uh, yeah, to Danny's point, you know, when you watch Watchmen, uh, the the TV show, you're like, yeah, they could definitely tackle this. This is HBO. This is R-rated. Let's do it. I'm surprised Disney's let them go this far. Um, yep. Really shocked. Not because it's like that particularly like, I mean, it's not like kids can't watch this. No, it's because make it MCU any is the crowd friendly. pleaser. What? MCU is the crowd pleaser. Like it has to be yeah. the most middle of the road. They usually it's avoid not a niche politics audience. completely. Yeah. Even the Sokovia Accords, it's like its own issue. That's not the right or the left. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I'm mm. shocked we're getting this show with this much that actually ties into the Sam Wilson Captain America comic, where that was mostly about social issues. So I will say, though, yeah, that was good. Marvel Comics needs to get their shit together. You know, when something like this comes out, everyone's going to want to buy Truth, Red, White, and Black, which is the comic that Isaiah Bradley got comes my from. Copy. What? I've got one? my copy. Damn, because it's, yeah. it's so much out of print. They're going from five hundred to a thousand dollars for a trade paperback right now. Oh, really? And uh, but you, the only way you can get them without paying five hundred dollars is they're all like two dollars in Comicsology. But I like want to own a copy because the art is really cool in that book. I did look through it a little bit, and it's yeah. very distinct art. But... Yeah, mine is at home on a bookshelf. What condition? That's disappointed me, and I'm not selling because I bought wow. a bunch. Oh, it's in of, fantastic uh... condition. I'm not selling it. <laughs> Give you twenty bucks. <laughs> I won't resell it either. I just want it. <laughs> anyway. Um, last thing, last question that I have um, about. Well, actually, I had two questions. Um, the first question is, I mean, so how do you guys, especially you, Danny, feel about you know, like a well-meaning friend uh, hitting on his, you know, his friend's sister? Like, how, is that all right? Like, do you? <laughs> Is that problematic for you? It's absolutely just, fine. If the guy, if the guy's a anyway, nice guy, please. it's absolutely fine. But I will say this, and Real just, question, you know, just though, randomly, is. just randomly. No, hold on, Joe. It's absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. I think it's great if they're friends. It's good. Just a reminder that you know, um, you know, you're not the only one that knows how to use a gun. What? <laughs> we're talking like we're talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier, <laughs> right? We're talking about Sam and Bucky, right? Absolutely. They're both. I think it's cool. Come on. I'll ask your real question, Jonesy. Go ahead. The real question is, what do you guys think about the suit that the Wakandans gave? So I was completely fucking wrong. I thought that, you know, Sam would kind of make this thing on his own based on something he saw when talking to Isaiah Bradley. But now we know that the Wakandans are the one that have given Sam his Captain America suit. And so for me, that raises a lot of questions about what the nature of this suit is, right? 
is it vibranium? Is it a vibranium weave? How close is it to Black Panthers? What's the level of technology in this thing? And so I, I, this, it seems like now the sky is the limit in terms of his mobility, strength, and whatever, any of that stuff. What did, did you guys think about that? And Danielle, start with I, you. I did, yeah. I, uh, here's how I went in my head, Canon, is that they, they've given him this suit that now kind of levels him up a little bit with some of whatever they've empowered it with or whatever advancements they've given it so that he doesn't have to take the serum. So he can still be a natural superhero, but is suit um, enhanced. And that's how in my head, so that when he goes up against these super soldiers, um, he has, let's not say an advantage, but certainly now on a level playing field. Uh, that's how I looked at it, that they're going to give him a suit that has certain powers, certain enhancements. That's not going to make him overpowered, but it's certainly going to put him on a level playing field so that when we enter the inevitable big fight, he can hold his own, not, not just you know, mentally, but, but physically he can hold his own now with the, with the uh, help from the suit a little bit. That's how I saw it. It's not going to be overpowered, but certainly superpowered. And so, I yeah. think it's going to be super unique to him rather than being a Black Panther copy even in powers. It's like Bucky's vibranium arm. If they wanted, they could have given it the power to charge up and slam just like the suit. But that's the Black Panther suit. They don't do that. They just gave him a metal arm that they could detach, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> did you know it could do that? But uh, I oh. think it will. It, I think whatever they give him will be made of vibranium. But I think it will just be a simple the cross part that he already has that kind of connects the wings. I just think the wings, which I think is in there, and but red, white, and blue, and just this will be vibranium. I think he still won't be covered up like Stark or Black Panther. He'll have the goggles or whatever, but yeah, I just the think they're going to build him a, a version of what they had only out of vibranium. So he's, his legs won't be covered. His arms won't be covered. His head won't be covered, <laughs> but it'll look like the Falcon suit, only red, white, and blue. I think But the wings will, the wings will be vibranium. Is that yeah, I think the wings will be vibranium. It? Okay, cool. He always yeah, uses that, them that. as a shield already anyway, and they seem to take sure. bullets, but it'd be cool if the wings were vibranium and like, you know, I don't know if there's a chest plate that connects all of it or whatever. Don't think you can do vibranium goggles. I don't know if you can see through vibranium, but I mean, you could do something, right? Because Black Panther has the ones that recede into his cowl. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna get vibranium goggles either. I think he could pull out his own pair of red, white, and blue goggles. Just kind of would, that would seem ridiculous, right? Like I'm gonna give you this million, if not billions, of dollars worth of technology. It's like, yeah, you go buy some fucking goggles from down the street. <laughs> we don't have that go technology. To you go to the PX and get some. Well, that's the thing. They keep. To, I kept saying earlier when you guys thought he was going to get a better suit. I'm like, as long as he uses his suit right, he's Iron Man. Yeah, you can shoot him if he's not paying attention, but those wings are a shield and all that. And now we have, I believe Kevin Feige said, sure, he's even smarter inventor than Tony Stark. So I, I'm sure she worked on it. Without even mentioning her by name, I'm sure she worked on the wings um, and stuff so that they have – he, she, he, I bet he does have extra features he didn't have before, but I, I don't see him being coated in vibranium, still being very vulnerable to shots if he's not paying attention. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Um, I'm yeah. fascinated to see either way. Um, what I do like about that is we don't know because this yeah. is completely different than what happened in the comic books and it gives it room to grow, right? Like they could make up some shit be like, yeah, I, I guess that 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 seems to make sense i think it will resemble so, his comics so yeah because comic suit has the wings too i think it'll oh, be yeah. a similar color scheme yeah I agree. just the wings maybe a better way to hold the shield that goes with the suit i don't know but because obviously now he's got the shield yeah. wings 
combo for blocking everything and projectiles. So maybe they gave did they give him a new yeah. Red Wing? Thoughts? <laughs> did they give him any role? I I'm hoping so. I think he'll be lonely. Actually, I think the new Red Wing is going to be Torres. He's the new Falcon. Yeah, well, that's what whole, I'm saying. Like I think that he's his new little buddy. Moment. Yeah. Like, keep it. Yeah, keep it. I think he's going to be his new buddy. Next time, baby. Next time. <laughs> Next time, baby. It's funny because there was no next time. I know. <laughs> and I think we're better for it. Yeah, Cheadle has ready been to move on to nobody. Yeah. He has been pretty great. Can hear you loud and clear, Jonesy, but for the Moving sake on. of the podcast, yeah, you, you've frozen on your picture. It's a very flattering picture of you. <laughs> oh, no. Is it? I have like a stupid look on my face. I feel yeah. like I should make faces. Just, I should constantly make faces just in case it happens. Just in case it we're happens. like in the middle of laughing. <laughs> yeah. we can, uh, we can, fix we can hear stuff. you just fine, buddy. So, uh, so go straight into what no, I'm not next. editing this out. <laughs> nice. Now, keep it. Leaving this in. Fuck it. It's we'll do part it. Part of now. the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> damn it. Nobody. You know what's funny? I don't have um, the notes that I usually have because I was going to do a thing. I was going to ask. Uh, Danny, if you wanted to lead the nobody discussion, and then I completely forgot that that's what I was going to do, but whatever, <laughs> I'm ready. Um, so Nobody is a Film came out uh, 2001, earlier this year, and it sits at a 7.5 on IMDb and 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the synopsis goes as follows. Hush Mansell fails to defend himself or his family when two thieves break into his suburban home one night, the aftermath of the incident soon strikes a match to his long simming rage. In a barrage of fists, gunfire, and squealing tires, Hutch must now save his wife and son from dangerous adversaries who want to take his life. So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch? Mr. Madsen. Could you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You okay? Because you don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me that so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm gonna fuck you up. I'll go first with my, my thoughts on this, um, non-spoilery thoughts. I thought it was entertaining. Uh, I think that I really enjoyed the fact that he wasn't invulnerable right so with john wick there is a certain level of invulnerability to that character and that may or may not make it less enjoyable the only thing that i think that i didn't like about this is i feel like john wick has three parts um you've got the action the lore and the main character himself and i where i feel like this has two of those the lore is the thing that kind of keeps me with John Wick, whereas this, I found my interest waning a little bit because everywhere in John Wick, 
they would have little things like the continental or the gold that they got paid in or the rules that they have as assassins. There were all these little elements of lore sprinkled throughout the film that kept me more interested in that than this. Um, and this wasn't a bad movie for it. It just made it slightly less interesting. So Danny, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's fair. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't look at it uh, quite like that when I saw it. I actually was very fortunate to see this quite a while ago, as you guys will know. So it's not quite as fresh in my memory. But what I will say is, what I do remember is that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, it's similarities and connect, well, not connections, but it's similarities to the John Wick franchise are, are obvious, are clear, and it doesn't pretend to shy away from them. But it does add in a little bit more of a... Um, a little bit more of tongue-in-cheek humor. Um, it's not into the sense of parody. It, it's not silly, uh, but it does make things like you said. It, he is not quite such the invulnerable superhero, and there is a little bit more of a comedic element to it with his the way that the main character speaks, etc. I really enjoyed it. I got the feeling that um, that they weren't necessarily banking on there being more films which is why maybe they didn't touch on too much of the law that you talked about with john wick and maybe that was in the back of their minds like they just gave enough that if it's successful and there's a demand and a need and a want then we can make another one and elaborate a bit more but just in case there's not let's just focus on the fun and the action and that stuff and hope that they like this film and it makes a bit of money and everyone enjoys the whole experience and that's where i was i, I enjoyed the whole experience i had an entertaining time i thought the action was great it was fun and i'll be happy to see another one and an expansion on that law if they choose to go that route so it's a thumbs up for me for sure yeah, what was... i think that they did instead of lore was give you characters so like with christopher lloyd and the rizza and kind yeah. nielsen they told you like like you you were aware or you knew that they had something in their past you might not know all of it but you know something and so that seemed to be kind of what you're describing, at least for yeah. me, um, the hints at lore, the hints of the larger world. Yeah. I think when I, my Twitter review was, hey, you needed, you, did you know you no. needed to see Christopher Lloyd with shotguns? I didn't know. Well, no. Yeah, but you do. <laughs> um, my- that man has been old since I was born. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. That's because in Back to Future they have him playing older, and just anyone who has that color, like I always thought Steve Martin was old his entire career too, just because of the hair color. Like you watch The Jerk, and you're like, mm. oh, he's already gray. He must be old. And then now it's like, I guess he looks a little bit older if you compare a photo side to side. <laughs> but um, I just Anderson Cooper is gonna look young forever. <laughs> I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> um. <laughs> So I liked it a lot. Um, I like it far more than the John Wick movies because they all kind of run into each other mm. and they feel, I almost feel the opposite in those. Like, I don't remember any of the character moments from the John Wick movies. All I remember is him kicking ass and the action all looking fairly similar. And this action definitely looks similar to that to a point I did, I thought while watching this and going into it, it was a John Wick spinoff. Um, only afterwards did I research it and talk with Danny. I'm like, oh, it's a, it's a theory. It takes place in the same world. Um, but I uh, love the action, even though it was very John Wick action. It seemed like there's a lot less of it. And some of it was pretty creative. Uh, that's going to spoilers yet. Um, I think the lore is there enough to build into something, which I, I think I would almost disagree with what we said earlier that they didn't know they had sequels. And I think this was, we'll get to the 
this very intentionally like we'll get into the lore and the sequels we'll give you enough now christopher lloyd raised these two kids all of them are killers maybe he raised them to be killers from a young age um obviously he's in good with the government still um and you know he gives his little speech about the type of soldier he was and i'd love to see more of all that we never find out what his tattoo exactly means but someone freaks out at a point when they see his tattoo um and yeah i just it's the unit that he was in i think Okay, because like just Bob Odenkirk also brings me in more than I love Keanu Reeves, but I love the idea of a Bob Odenkirk older type. Like uh, Jonesy also said, yeah, they get the shit kicked out of him. He gets like thrown out of the bus. And it's not even about just how well he can fight; it's just how many punches he can fucking take, and he still gets better. <laughs> um, that's that's Rocky. Very Rocky. much a Batman idea too, like the Bane yeah. fight. But yeah, if we get if we get the spoilers, I want to say my favorite joke. Just get in the spoilers and tell me what your favorite joke is, Nick. My favorite gag throughout the film is that he's talking to someone and then they die. Like he's like, let me tell you about like what I do for the mm. military. Like it happens like two times where he's like telling them something about his history and then they're dead <laughs> in the middle of the conversation. He's like, oh well. Yeah, it's good. They'll never Off be able you. to tell anybody what they heard. And then every few read that end of the story. <laughs> Yeah, you never get well, and maybe in the sequels that you're talking about, maybe they'll do that in the sequels, or maybe that'll be a running gag. Maybe in the third one, That's the very final, he'll actually get the chance <laughs> to say it as he's laying in a pool of his own blood, and then he dies without telling his story. Oh, I'll tell you about my shit. time in the. Uh, <laughs> there you go. We've just written the third. No shit, the there I was. The third one. <laughs> but going also back to the stuff I was saying earlier, but now with spoilers, like yeah, he still has the government connections like he, the the two people two cops talking at the end just both get phone calls and it's like okay bye <laughs> but that's the opening to the movie which is that ending scene where he's like he's opening the cat food and there's a cat in his sleeve and you're just like what the fuck is and then they do the invincible thing with the title card at the beginning where he's like mm-hmm. me yeah. i'm and then it just says nobody <laughs> yeah i had a lot of fun watching it cute um the bad guys are typical i don't know they, i think we use the russian mob too often these days like i think there wasn't there which is again some of the reason why you try to make comparisons to john wick they were yeah probably mm-hmm. but even like one of the Liam neeson movies like Liam neeson's son accidentally kills like a russian mafia kid's son or some shit it's just it seems like yeah they're they're in the yakuza is not even as popular and everyone's done with italian and uh irish mobsters except for martin scorsese <laughs> Did you right, find you Jonesy know? after after you just read that synopsis and then you've seen the film? Do you think the synopsis is actually a fair representation of that film? Because you're reading it out there, and I'm like, well, he doesn't re- he doesn't fail to protect his son. He refuses to be because he has reasons, right? Jesus We're in spoilers now, right? Yeah, he knows the gun's not loaded, and he doesn't want to uh, show his hand. He doesn't want to resort back to, so he chooses not to rather than fails to, right? It, 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 the synopsis is. I think it. I think it does a good job of bringing you in, but also at the same time doesn't really tell you the whole story. And in that sense, it's a good thing. It doesn't just. Tell and you the plot. trailer kind of shows it more yeah. like he failed too, and his family considers that he failed. Yeah, it, it sets it up, but it's not actually what happens, right? So I think they do quite a good job there because it's not actually true. He doesn't fail to. At all. I don't think you put that in the synopsis though. He decides not to defend his family. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but most people he doesn't like. Him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like the fact that they did that, but the synopsis is uh, enough. And like you say, the trailer does the same thing. It, it doesn't give too much away, and that's in this day and age, I think that's a good thing. And I love that he doesn't kill the people yeah. with the kids who robbed him, but then after that, he's like just looking for an excuse. 
And then when the SUV just randomly crashes because they're drunk next to him, he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, I need to let off Oddly enough, steam. just like Liam Neeson. Oh. <laughs> Clap back. Mm. They came back real quick, didn't it, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the one of my uh, favorite scenes he, was when he goes into yeah, sorry, Jonesy, go ahead. You had a question. No, that was it. You you're doing the thing I was about to ask. Yeah, so one of my favorite scenes, but you know, to, to put um, an emphasis on that this this particular film had some more humor to it, some more comedic elements, but not parody, like I said, was when he finally tracks down the tattoo parlor. And the guy recognizes the tattoo and goes <laughs> slinks away behind that door and Thank does you about service. 17 bolts. Click, clunk, clunk, click, turn, and everyone's looking at the door. How many locks does that door have? And then he, he's got the eyepiece eye open. Thank you for your service. Shuts the eyepiece. And I've got pictures of him there running away from that door as well, running up a back alley into a car, driving off to another state before shit hits the fan inside that shop. I thought that was a great way. Yeah, this guy knows that. This guy is not someone to be messed with. I thought that was a, a great little funny moment. And everybody in that room then knew something was up. And then I was, was never up. worried for Christopher Lloyd's character. Because <laughs> <laughs> I kind of knew early on that even though he's like, oh, well, I can barely hear my son when he comes in. The minute his son tells him there's trouble, that he's got those two shotguns. He's ready. <laughs> ready. And then I love the ending, like the whole Skyfall slash Home Alone type ending. I love, I love, I don't know, I love, or even uh, Seven Samurai, either version. Not Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai. And that one episode of The Mandalorian where it's like, people are coming, let's set up as many traps as we can so we have to kill less people with guns or whatever the genre is. So, yeah, it was very, very skyfall. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, just like Danny pointed out, the humor was one of the things that I really enjoyed. And again, I hate to keep comparing it to John Wick, but that was the thing that set it apart from John Wick. Um, so Nick, you're talking about Christopher Lloyd. One of my favorite scenes with him was um, Bob Odenkirk says, you know, you brought a lot of shotguns and Christopher Lloyd says, you brought a lot of Russians. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, that killed me. Even the post credit scene. Yeah, it, it was, I didn't even, I didn't realize there was a, post credit scene what's the post credit scene the buying the it's, house uh him and uh the other guy who works Connie with Nielsen. them yeah they're like oh. you know they're driving with an rv oh that's how long it's gonna take to get there and he's like why don't we just fly and he's like just remember what we're carrying they both look back there's <laughs> just tons of guns and christopher led's like oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so stuff like that is what i what i mean when i say like those are the character moments that you get that hints yeah. at more um, rather yeah. than the world building that they do in John Wick, where it's like, here's a hotel, here yeah. are rules, here's gold. Um, well, there is the barbershop. So it's, it's a different way of doing the same thing. Barbershop mm. and the guy he knew he could go to kind of remind me of the Continental yep. hotels. Mm. Where it's like, mm. oh, I can go talk to this rich guy. Oh, who's, yeah, who's like yeah. Get his hair cut and then drink fancy shampoo. Like, it's basically like his office. He has all of his alcohol along the wall of the barbershop and just pours himself a little drink yeah one of the other things i really liked about this movie was i could not glean this from the trailer but i did like it when i realized in the movies that connie nielsen wasn't oblivious to who he was and what he mm -hmm. did yep. um 
at first I thought that she was, and the fact that she wasn't, I was like, okay, that's cool. I like that she's just she's just tired of him. Like she genuinely yep. is tired of him rather than he has been hiding who he is and she doesn't know everything about him. And so that's the thing that sparks their relationship again. Yeah. She's like, no, I'm just, just kind of tired of you. And then suddenly like, he's desirable cool. again. The like minute that. he like comes home with like a black <laughs> yeah. eye and like a bloody yeah. arm. <laughs> yeah. I get the, I get the impression yeah. that she comes from something similar. I think, I think she's withholding some sort of past as well, some sort of history in the same line, maybe even not necessarily with the same unit, but certainly maybe, or maybe the same unit, maybe they serve together in this department or something. And that's why, Almost like the Mr. and Mrs. Smith film, right? The reason that they get along so well is because they both enjoy doing the same stuff, which is beating people up and firing guns. And so now that he's started to do it, she's, I get the feeling, was like finds him more attractive, but also is starting to get itchy trigger finger too and wants to be a little bit more involved, maybe. And so I get the feeling that that is where the relationship was. Uh, They both come from that world and he's just been repressing it a bit too much. Well, yeah, have, I agree. No, it makes like him apologizing for not changing even stronger because because she's like, well, I have changed, bitch. <laughs> like, where he's like, I'm sorry, we can start <laughs> right. over again. Like, I won't kill again. Let's try this again. <laughs> and you won't until the sequel, Bob. Um, Hutch. <laughs> and so that's my next question for you guys. Where would you want to see this go? What do you want to see next, Nick, from this series? I want to get into the lore you were talking about. I think that's where the sequel should go. Um, and I don't know. It needs to get more creative than the normal John Wick, this movie formula, where it's like Russian mobsters, as I mentioned earlier. It'd be fun. I don't know exactly. I, I want to know where uh, Christopher Lloyd and What's-His-Face are headed with a bunch of guns in the back. <laughs> I think that's the start to your movie. Because I also <laughs> don't want to be like a typical... I was going to say maybe it's a show where like a movie where he like it delves into his past but I don't want something from his past to come back sort of plot line. Cause that's been done to death in every genre. So. Yeah, I was, I, I'm sitting okay. that, that seems like a, a curveball question because the obvious one could be the, the, uh, the bosses of the boss come back for revenge for destroying all that money, which we've seen before. We could have a kid gets kidnapped, taken away and he goes on a revenge rescue mission, but we've seen that before. So, but then I'm thinking, but yeah, yeah, but we then, but, but, but they did such a good job of doing John Wick with the humor and character development. So maybe they could do one of those two tropes that we've seen before, but do it in a way that we find it entertaining, much like we found this one entertaining, even though it was very John Wick-esque. So I I don't know how to answer. I don't know where I want them to take this. I I know that I wanted to see another one though. I will say that. What if they do go the Mr. and Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Smith route without remaking that movie where he didn't know, but she's actually been hired to watch him all these years. So she is the antagonist. Ah, I don't know how well that meshes with this, but like, that's the idea is like, she's been under deep cover. And now that he's been violent again, she's maybe from a different comfort country or a different agency who she becomes the villain. That seems like the least cliche. I think even with the Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Smith comparisons. Sure. What about you, Jonesy? So at the end of last month, I don't know what I would want to see, but last month, at the end of last month, Connie Neal talked about what Nick was talking about just now. So she said that, you know, potential sequels she would want to see is one that explains how they met. So why did they meet in Italy? What were they doing there? And all all the other stuff. Mm. Um, That's right. They meant Italy where he was probably on a sign. Where I want to see. Yes. Um, I think I'd probably want to see that. I do want to know that, but it's, 
it's hard to know where to take this mostly because to the point that you just made, Danny, we've seen a lot of these tropes before. Um, and a lot of it is the only reason I think that John Wick continues to survive is because it's able to um, consistently dig into the lore and go bigger and bigger with the action here. I again, agree with you. The comedy is the thing that sets us apart from it. So I don't want them to leave that behind. I feel like this is, this movie is the vibe that they were going for with shoot 'em up and they just didn't Mm -hmm. get there as well. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Clive Owen movie from a few years ago, Um, but this seems to hit that a little bit better. So, (laughs) so yeah, lean into what, what works and just make the action better. And I think Bob Odenkirk um, and Connie Nielsen work as a couple. So um, as far as what the plot device is to get the action going, I have no idea what that could be, but I definitely think that the humor is the strong point for the series. Yeah, that was the other fun part. It was the kitty cat bracelet, but she was <laughs> he just finds it in the middle of a fight scene. Oh, it was right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> threatening anyway. other people. <laughs> yeah, my my final note would be this: I would definitely love to see. Um, uh, I think after Wonder Woman, we know that Connie Nielsen can do the action very well, and I think she she is such a great presence. She's a fantastic looking actress too. So I think seeing her in that physical role um as the opposing uh, agent like you said nick i think would be great and we know she's got the 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 physical chops to be able to do it after seeing her in wonder woman and uh, wonder woman 1984 too so i think the uh, the seeds have been laying there especially after what she said about the role as well sounds like she's up for doing another one and would like to see more of that nick's just touched on a possible mr and mrs smith kind of vibe i think we may well be seeing something there and i'd certainly love to see that so that would be my goal. What they do with that, who knows? Smarter people than me will have to make that decision. Who knows? Well, not smarter, but better paid, certainly. <laughs> yeah. What else you guys got? Anything? Ready to go? Ready to shut down? Cut the check. Cut the check. Yeah. Cut the check. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. And I would I would recommend this, though. Yeah. I totally forgot to say whether or not I would recommend this movie. I would recommend this movie. So I explained it to my parents. I wouldn't recommend it to them. I was explaining what it's about, but I would recommend it to an action fan who's not afraid of some blood and some gore. Sure. I'd recommend it. Especially if you like John Wick, I would definitely recommend it. But who doesn't like John yeah. Wick? At least they yeah. didn't kill the dog. I would recommend it cat. to anybody who likes Liam Neeson films, but God doesn't want to support Liam Neeson films anymore, Nick. That's the Mads. <laughs> Mads is the new Liam Neeson. Remember, we already talked about that. I feel like Bob. I was disappointed when I watched that trailer, though. Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> I was disappointed when I watched the trailer that was shared, just because I didn't know it was going to be in different language. I'm oh, sorry, Nick. Oh God, it looks good, though, right? That yeah, looks great. They're watching for the show. Yeah, I'd watch it on my own too, just not until like free streaming. Okay. Well, uh, I think that's it for the nobody discussion. Uh, also want to do one more reminder not one more another reminder that so danny brought it up before the dungeons and dragons episode of breaking geek Rear, the podcast is streaming right now um it's a great time i had a lot of fun 
and I think everybody else had fun. And we're going to be doing part two of that here shortly. Uh, we're scheduled to record this weekend, so hopefully we can get that done and get out part two of. Uh, I think the sequel should be called, or the next part should be called something different because hopefully we won't be as uh, circumspect as we were this first time. We'll just be ready to, to barrel through this shit. So, but yeah, that's out there. So, dear listeners, if you like what you heard, do all the socials like, rate, comment, subscribe, share. We definitely appreciate it. Also, LRM Online has other great content on the website for you to digest. Other than that, Danny, where can you be found? You can find me on the Twitterverse at Danny K Bartlett or on our um, Discord channel. So if you are listening and enjoying or you have agreements or disagreements, then please join us on Discord and let us know you're entitled to your opinion, even if it's wrong. Allegedly. And Nick Dahl, where can you be found? I'm at Geeky Nick Dahl on the Twitter. I write articles for LRM online like... I got to write all about the secret invasion casting and other stories we talked about today <laughs> written by moi. Uh, <laughs> and I also do Marvel Multiverse Mondays and I'm here hopefully every week. So, yay. yay. And you can find me on Twitter at Sir Jonesius as well as Instagram and right here on Breaking Geek Rare, the podcast. Folks, as always, thanks for listening and I will catch you up. We will catch you on the next one. Hasta lasagna. Don't get any on you. Mission accomplished. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 